You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, influencer Tim Shadows. Hope you are well. Uh, this morning, I created my POAP and um, it got a, a negative review, which which happens from time to time. Um, it's it's amazing how POAP is, uh, I, you know, I, it's curated by humans, but maybe it's being curated right now by uh, and through AI. Um, and I think the reason it got a negative review is because I actually used the image that you see in the cafe chat, this um, 2023 Gartner Emerging Technologies and Trends Impact Radar, which I'm going to come back to in a moment. And so it gave me another opportunity to to mix it up. And so um, what I did was, um, you know, yesterday I found out actually that a friend of mine passed away. He had a heart attack and uh, and died. Um, went to school with me, so my age, 52. Um, he had... He had a lot of health issues. Um, he, um, you know, it was he. He had diabetes. Um, he was overweight, um, but m- what a smile! I mean, he had a smile that literally could set the world on fire um, and uh, and bring light to the entire world, and a voice of an absolute nightingale. Um, so he had these health issues, but but he was okay. I mean, it was just one of those things where I don't. It was complete shock. 
Um, and um, I think he might be like the first friend of mine to actually die. Um, like actually a friend of mine, like my age. It, it, it puts everything into perspective, everything into perspective when suddenly, I mean, it's one thing, you know, when it's, when it's you know, parents, we've been going through it. I had my own mom pass away um, in January and you feel a certain sense of mortality. Um, immediately when I found out, I called my cardiologist and I'm going to go see them, see him on Thursday. I missed the, uh, the last appointment because of going to South Africa, I think, for the funeral. And I've had this like weird kind of like pain. It could be, I don't know, it could be anything, but I just like, I better get to my cardiologist. You, you really do feel uh, <laughs> exceptionally mortal and fragile uh, and vulnerable um, in, in these situations. And so I redid the POEP, and uh, the code is, uh, is BOOP, B-O-E-P, which a BOOP is a stomach. Um, in, in kind of Afrikaans, you would say, that guy's got a beer BOOP, he's got a beer belly. And uh, that was his nickname, we called him BOOP. Um, and it was always like when I'd see him, I'd go, BOOP! And we'd just give each other a big hug, um, lowercase B-O-E-P, and uh, I just zoomed in on his face, and I th- and I thought to myself, you know, we're going to mint him. We're going to mint his memory. His memory and and his soul and his spirit will be immortalized on the blockchain today when you mint um, today's POAP. Um, so I'm glad for that negative review because it gave me an opportunity to rethink, um, and um, you know, just just this day, this moment, this conversation will be immortalized forever on the blockchain. Um, memories are an incredible use case um, for the blockchain, if you think about it. Um, something that is um, a marker, a date, a time, a message, a place, uh, and and it's there forever um, and can be traced. Can be, you know, th- there is just just like just like a memory, right? Just like a soul. Just like the fact that we come into this world. Hopefully, we leave our mark for better. Some people for worse. Um, but um, making sure that that these memories never get erased and that they stay top of mind and front and center, you know where to find them. Um, And um, I actually saw a couple of um, interesting uh, uh, businesses and use cases that are playing in that game in terms of minting memories um, on the blockchain and uh, being able to um, to use specifically the technology, not just to, you know, I mean, if if Web 1 was a database, if Web 2 was a social database, right, what is YouTube in many respects? Um, YouTube in a way exists between Web 1 and Web 2, right, because it's a database of videos. Um, you could even, you know, Facebook, everything is a database of, but when it's searchable, it's still a little web one, but when it's social comments, um, you know, ratings, reviews, but specifically the comments, the sharing capabilities, it's very much web too. Um, well, what makes this social searchable and shareable database different in web three? And it would be the blockchain that this database, you know, again, if we look at the web one, web two, web three continuum, um, from a server to the cloud, uh, to the blockchain, and um, and a memory um, should also make that progression um, in 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 Web three 
to being able to be minted, minting a memory. Think think of that idea, minting a memory. Um, I, I minted my business card, um, you know, in 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 Miami. Um, but this whole idea of minting now, uh, just like a coin, just like a a badge, a medal, um, we we create something that is very hopefully durable, tangible, uh, immutable, um, and therefore ever. So this is in memory uh, to my friend David Gordon. Uh, you know, may his memory be a blessing. Uh, his nickname was Boop, which is the uh, the code for today's POAP. He is the POAP today, um, uh, lowercase b-o-e-p. And that will be available at uh, at eight fifty nine uh, p.m. Um, love to get your thoughts throughout. Um, welcome, Bez and and Christopher um, and Praxim. We missed you yesterday, Praxim. And I don't know if shadows if I said hello to you yet, but hello. Um, so uh, I thought I would like chat a little bit about um, this uh, via Brian Solis. Um, what you see in front of you. Um, in the chat, which is, it says 2023, um, Gartner Emerging Technologies and Trends Impact Radar. So there are four quadrants or four aspects. There's what's called the smart world, transparency and privacy, critical enablers, and productivity revolution. And what you're basically seeing is there's mass so you know you've got um, you've got from low to very high, and if you actually look at the um, and if you look, and I'll talk about what it, it appears cursory just scanning this with my naked eye. Um, when, by the way, is an eye not naked? When is the eye clothed or the? Uh, so anyway, I'm just trying to work out what the naked eye means. I guess what the naked eye means is like the naked gun. I guess the naked eye means without binoculars or without augmented reality today, or maybe it would be um, without, I don't know, uh, some kind of lens, glasses, while I'm wearing glasses, so maybe my eyes are not so naked. Uh, but whatever, I digress. Um, but scanning it, um, it does seem like a lot of Web3 is um, what's called uh, very high in terms of mass. Um, the other thing is the range. And so there is what's called, um, you know, there's six to eight years um, all the way through to now, which is zero to one. So it appears that there are only two aspects that are in the zero to one year, which is known as edge AI and edge computer vision. Um, I'm not sure what edge means. Maybe one of you know what, what edge means. Uh, you can look it up and, and and put it in the in the cafe chat. I do know what computer vision is. Computer vision is um, the ability, for example, to scan um, an image and to have that image identified immediately. So I think one of the you know one of the most interesting uses of that is um, Amazon uses it pretty well that you can actually scan any item and it, it would Im- immediately uh, find that item on Amazon. Um, in some cases, there were some apps where you could like take a, a photograph of your meal and it can almost identify how many calories that meal uh, are included in that meal. Um, so you've got, you've got these two things that are in the zero to one. 
And then it appears like in the one to three, we've got blockchain, something called foundational models, knowledge graphs, hyper automation in security. I'm looking for the things that are just in the actual multimodal UI, uh, digital twins. And then there are just a couple of things like on the periphery. Oh, digital ethics is there too. Um, the things that are just uh, model compression is on the cusp and synthetic data is a little bit out. And then, and then we go into the uh, three to six years. Uh, it's interesting because Web3 seems to be um, on the cusp between three to six and six to eight. So it's like one of those when you look at snow, right, and you're on the range of one to three and three to six, or, you know, then you kind of say, well, it's pretty much three if it's on, you know, if it's on the high end of the one and the low end of the other. So uh, it looks like it's just inside. So I'd almost say that it's um, <laughs> it's at five years, maybe Web3, five years, if I'm, if I'm five and a half years. So that was interesting to me. Uh, tokenization, though, is um, in the middle um, and it's very high in terms of mass. So tokenization sits at about, it would appear, four and a half years, which is very interesting to me. Um, uh, and then uh, what else do I see? Metaverse is all the way out at like eight years, uh, but it is mass very high. And so, you know, um, this is interesting to me when I think about our world of Web3, right? I mean, the business of Web3 is Alpha Collective, so when I kind of like scoop up or slurp up everything that looks interesting to me, I see blockchain, which is seems to be hitting the first and the and the soonest, uh, then tokenization, then Web three, and then metaverse in that order. Maybe you see it differently, um, and um, and it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts. Um, uh, Praxim says Edge is computing at the edge of the network. Edge for the retail segment would be everything in a store, but moving more processing out to the edge. Think facial recognition done at the edge rather than pulling it all back and doing it centralized. So it's interesting. So I guess um, Edge is not necessarily decentralized then, right, as opposed to centralized but it's maybe a distributed would be a better word to think about. Um, remote, um, you know, on-site, on-location, mobile, um, you know. Um, so that's that's interesting. So it's kind of like on the go, on the move, um, ad hoc, um, et cetera. Um, and maybe real-time would be another way to think about it as opposed to, you know, um, I mean... The <clears throat> suppose this is what Elizabeth Holmes was going for, right? You could get your uh, DNA or your blood work back immediately, instantaneously, as opposed to sending it away to a lab and taking, you know, a long time um, across space, distance, time, um, etc. So, you know, I, 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 looked, I looked at this, I had a few takeaways from looking at this 2023 Gartner Emerging Technologies and Trends Impact Radar. Um, you, you, you don't want to be in orange right now. I mean, if, if any of you, uh, including myself, wants to figure out how to leverage and win and plan, remember the quote, uh, 
from NFT Miami, um, which is I feel like we're late to a party that hasn't started already, right? So if you are in the orange, the party started. The party is in full swing, okay? Um, and then and you would be late. So you would there you would be late to a party that not only has started, it's probably already, it's in full swing. Now, when you go to the one to three years, that party is probably um, just getting started. Um, it's either just, remember, it's one to three years. So one year, I would say the party um, has just started. And uh, three years, the party is hasn't started, but it's about to start. So, you know, if you're gonna if if you're looking to make a career and ride the wave in, for example, um, blockchain, right? I'm not sure what foundational models are. I'll go and do some research. Digital twins, probably worth going and 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 um, and looking up these things. But interestingly enough, as it relates to blockchain. That party has not, st- I would say, right, one to three years. May- maybe, maybe you can even say that this party has started, um, but, it's, but it's still early days. You're not late to the party, right? Um, you might be, at worst, fashionably late, right? I mean, when you, when you show up, when, you, when you're the first guest at the party, no one wants to necessarily be the first guest. Um, you want to show up when there's like... Uh, Party is kind of like already humming a little bit. Um, so we can kind of use, I mean, I guess it's a question for you. How do you define, hello to Jensa, um, how do you define one to three years? If you are starting a business today, um, if you are looking to get into a trend or take advantage or leverage a trend, uh, how much ramp up time would you require? Um, where is the market? Where is the level of education? Um, where is the market penetration? What kind of level of acceptance? Uh, what what kind of um, sell through uh, is required? Now, when you move out a little bit more to three to six years, um, I think it's safe to say that party has not started, um, and um, and anyone looking to really leverage. Um, you know, Web3 is there, tokenization is there. I'm just looking to see um, anything else. I mean, you are in the right place at the right time, right? Those those invitations are going out. You're booking venues. Um, you know, you're, uh, you're booking DJs. You know what I mean? It's like uh, you're ramping up. You've, you've picked a date maybe, right? And then, and then you go out to the final layer. Um, and it's interesting because things like decentralized identity, um, like believe that that will be a monster, monster um, growth area. Um, you know, digital human AI avatars is right out on the edge um, when we think about that. And metaverse is right there. And look, if this is true, and, and uh, you know, I'm looking at other things. There's 6G, there's self-supervised learning, neo, ne- neuromorphic computing. I'm just looking at all the other things that I... Uh, it's interesting. Responsible AI is right out there, uh, like on the on the edge between um, three to six and six to eight. But but the thing you know, the thing that I want you to, um, I mean, the thing that strikes me as well is is if this is true, and let's assume it is. I mean, Gartner is a pretty respectable organization. Um, remember, Mark Zuckerberg 
pretty much bet the farm on metaverse. And so did so many other people. Um, this idea of, um, you know, I, I'm proud to say that I've not set foot in the metaverse in this iteration. I'm proud to say that I was in Second Life 16 years ago, you know, and, and at the time I could see what it could become and what it represented. Um, and, and certainly there were just pioneers at that point, but that's very different to the hype and the, um, and the ridiculous amount of investment um, that was, and, and like all the brands jumped on that, uh, I call it the brand wagon, jumping on the brand wagon. They all jumped on the brand wagon um, now with respect to metaverse. Um, this idea of avatars running around and, and, um, it, and according to this, like the timing could not have been like more mismatched or disconnected. Now, if you think about it, and, and we are thinking about it because it's Thought Leadership Tuesday today, um, what is really happening in the world, right? What hap- you, you have to bring context into it. We were all pretty much IRL, and then COVID hits, and we're all now stranded at home, and this monster thing arrives called audio, specifically social audio, right? Specifically Clubhouse, and then to a degree some of the copycats. I mean, let's let's also just kind of uh, you know let's let's call a spade a spade here, right? Which is which is there have been no worthy competitors to Clubhouse, and I'm saying that Twitter Spaces is not necessarily worthy. Twitty, tw- Twitty, <laughs> Twitty, uh, Twitter Spaces really just became co-opted, became NFT Twitter. It became all the the Web3 people for the most part. Yeah, there have been some big uh, town hall-like uh, conversations, right? The, the um, you know, specifically led by Elon Musk and, you know, and, and, and all the controversy, whether it was like, um, you know, uh, Mario Norfolk running those massive rooms, Andrew Tate, bloody blah. Um, so maybe it's it's a little unfair to say that you know Twitter Spaces has not been anything. Is this something? Um, <clears throat> but for the most part, social audios in a way come and gone. You know, so I'm I'm, I'm putting a few little uh, stakes in the ground, making some provocative statements. Uh, not necessarily saying it's dead at all. In fact, I think it's evolving. Um, what we're doing now is audio first. Um, but I've taken a position that this belongs in a community. This belongs in a Discord server. Um, this does not belong out necessarily in the public. Can it be done on Twitter every morning spaces? Sure. Um, but there's no business model associated with it. This is. This is building community, building um, connection, building belonging. By the way, Mark Schaefer is on the show today. So um, and I do have a link, a pre-recording link. Um, if you want to, if you want to uh, watch live, we are pre-recording um, at 1 p.m. today. So you are all very welcome to join. We're going to be talking about belonging uh, to the brand. I will put that link um, in the back chat right now. Um, just as I'm doing that, I see uh, Shadows Pub says the Hive chain used the metaverse to host their annual high five during the pandemic. It was well received. Um, 
which is not to say metaverse doesn't work or can't work or hasn't worked, right? Um, what I want to do is kind of go back and, and, and recognize that social audio rose and in some cases fell, but there was maybe platform dependent or, you know, stopped rising because contextually what was really happening is it was a, an IRL replacement in many respects. People were, but also contextually people were stuck. People were at home. People were not, you know, moving around as freely as they used to. Of course, there was also the rise um, and, and the growth of video and specifically the Zoom, you know, Zooms and all Zooms competitors. Zoom had this amazing, you know, hockey stick growth curve. Again, very, very contextual. But what's happened now is people are kind of trying to get back to IRL. Um, they're trying to, and, and and we also have this added layer of you know of doxing versus being undoxed and PFPs and and uh, w- within the Web three space, but even outside of the Web three space, these fears about deep faking and um, you know and now with generative AI and uh, Chat GPT. So so with all of that, I mean timing is everything, right? And, um, but this belief, I mean, even if you go and look at that Mark Zuckerberg video of him being replaced by an avatar, um, it wasn't, that's not what people wanted or needed was to be replaced. What they wanted was connection. Um, can you connect avatar to avatar? Of course you can. Um, I mean, again, I was doing it 16 years ago in Second Life. It's not to say, like, I'm the first person that will will provide support for this idea of creating versions of ourselves that help us express ourselves better, that help us um, identify each other better, uh, that sometimes can protect our identity because we need protecting. Um, You know, anonymity has a lot of advantages as well. Um, But right now, um, we have, I mean, we, the... Uh, looking around the room today, we couldn't be more different um, to, I mean, in terms of how we're representing ourselves. And and we've discussed this before. I mean, there are uh, what appears to be two humans uh, represented and two kind of um, versions of ourselves with a little bit of AI or a little bit of uh, generation. Um, And there are um, two, like, just images um, of, you know, uh, cats and owls, and then there are two PFPs, and, you know, which... And, and so it's, it's um, you know, more, more graphical, right, than iconic or logo-driven. So it's like two logos, two kind of um, iconic PFPs or, or graphic or generated, either NFT or not related. So we're all kind of like a little... Um, we're all expressing ourselves the way that we choose to. Uh, and of course, the other part of it is recognition. Um, so that, um, you know, the more we change our PFP, um, the more the less we can be recognized if we pop up in a room. Um, or the more we change our PFP, um, just like, you know, I'll use the idea of changing your underwear. You would not wear the same piece of underwear or the same item of, of underwear in particular um, for 365 days, you 
kind of kind of gross. Um, and so, in some cases, there's the ability just to express yourself. Um, I, Doug Yeager, who um, uh, <clears throat> I've mentioned him many times just throughout my life, and you know, throughout my, you know, in terms of talking publicly, uh, the interactive creative director at Shy Day when I worked there. Um, long after he left, uh, he produced all these incredible t-shirts. I still have a few of them left. I wish I had the full set. Um, but they were the five um, colors of the Homeland Security threat level. So from like blue to all the way to like, it was like elevated, um, it, you know, severe, high, you know, um, and um, and they were like, you know, it was blue, green, yellow, orange, and red. And of course, the red one said was the high level. But I bought the collection, and uh, I, I thought to myself, like, I could actually wear them based on what my mood was, or based on what my intensity level was. I could express myself every day with a color. Like, we haven't really even thought about that yet. In um, in I'll give you another color example, which was uh, at a in October. I went to the uh, ANA Masters of Marketing conference in Orlando, as I do most years. And um, at the time, you know, we we're kind of like COVID was we're coming out of it, um, but but it was still ava- it was still there. And so when you got your lanyard, you chose. Um, green, yellow, or red, the, the the kind of ribbon that goes around your neck. And that was just a color code that basically said green was, hey, I'm open to hugging, kissing, shaking the works. Yellow was like kind of ask first. And red was stay away. Like I'm not, I don't want to be, you know, um, maybe at best just fist bumped or something like that. And so that was another way that a color could play a, a very interesting role in terms of identification and identity. So, like, we haven't really done that. We haven't, we can do that in Discord quite nicely because you can choose your background. Like, at the moment, I think it's automatically chosen this, like, watermelon type of color to kind of blend in with the background, which was using an, like, AI generation program. And this is the kind of Andy Warhol. Um, type of treatment and um, and filter. I like it. It's kind of like, you know, me kind of pop arty. Um, I think it expresses where I like to play in terms of culture, trends, innovation, creativity. Um, but, but I could have that background, um, you know, those five levels of, of Homeland Security, um, which could tell you how I feel today. Um, or or what's going on in my life without like like in a non-verbal way, um, I could very easily communicate that to you today, and um, and you would now know what to say, what not to say, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so like we haven't we haven't used colors very well, um, and we don't need avatars. We don't need at the moment to be little stick figures or little pixelated figures or Roblox or, you know, whatever, Minecraft um, or even more sophisticated images, you know, bringing our PFPs to life. 
Um, let's see what you said there in the in the cafe chat, Bez. As a business person, I find more use cases to use the metaverse now versus Web3. So for me, it is ahead. Um, and Tim said Salesforce used these buttons at the World Tour event. So they wore like a button that you would wear. And, and, and the, the, for those of you that are listening on the podcast and you look at it, it's, uh, it's, um, it's green and it says okay to hug with a cute little bear or, or their little, you know, their little um, figures, their little kind of uh, cartoony type figures. So yeah, there were different ways to express that. Now it's interesting, Bez, you said that um, you find more use cases to use the metaverse now versus Web3. Well, I think I'd be interested to hear more, but I think still the, the for me, Web3 includes blockchain and it includes tokenization um, and it includes metaverse. Um, so that's kind of an interesting one. Or if it, like, I think we need to be very clear when we say Web3, like what it does include and what it doesn't include. Like I do not mind breaking it out. Um, but if we're stripping metaverse out and we're stripping tokenization out and we're stripping blockchain out, then what is left in Web3 is my question. What do you think, Bez? Well, um, you know what? Let, let me back that a little, backtrack that a little bit. Yeah. Um, when people say Web3, many times they do think of the metaverse. So let's, let's talk more specifically in tokenization and blockchain. Um, it's really hard to onboard my clients on the blockchain and, and utilizing tokenization right now, other than if it were going to be a reward system. But even then, there's easier ways to do rewards. Um, so I, I, while I'm a believer in the blockchain and I see the many uh, benefits of tokenization and um, I just think it's an easier sell for me to util- uh, take a problem today and utilize the metaverse with my clients and um, and solve that problem with them. And I have started that conversation with them. And and here's a, a simple use case. So um, one of my clients, they they have um, their uh, a rural uh, their health system that has um, a rural hospitals. Now, um, for the most part, they've been hard to recruit. One reason is because, you know, of our mindset. The second reason is because we're not good at storytelling and giving that story to the candidate in immersive experience. So if I were to turn the tables and, and you know, at first it's tell you where it is and the rural location, you, you go, Ugh, nah. but if I were to tell you and show you in an immersive experience through a metaverse uh, uh, experience and show you, hey, that lake you're going to be skiing on, the hiking trails, the quality of life, the um, uh, that boutique restaurant, the vineyards, and and uh, oh, that beautiful house on acreage you're going to live in. Now that would be more attractive, and I can utilize um, the actual metaverse to provide that immersive experience. Um, you know, one, I could, you know, and then there's another problem. How do I get on my headset? That's cheap. Um, but a lot of these metaverses, you can actually, from your phone or your laptop or your, or your PC, actually have a decent 
experience, even though if you had the headset, it would even be more. So for me, um, it's easier to um, use that from a use case. But I'm interested in hearing, hey, is there something I'm not hearing right now that that people are using in normal business uh, right now, right now, that's that's closer than what I'm sharing with you because I'm always, you know, I'm always interested. Uh, by the way, Praxim says many video games are meta versus. I suspect they will be the mass adoption gateway to the metaverse. Also, you don't need 3D glasses, AR, VR to be in the metaverse. There's, there's still, there's definitely still a lot of, um, uh, a lot of discussion, and and there isn't the standardization or the agreement about what it takes to be in an immersive experience. I was again in Second Life with very limited graphics, with no audio for the most part. Uh, everything was type based. I mean, you could port or feed Skype into it. Um, but it, it felt completely immersive to me when I walked around or flew around or teleported around the island, going into my penthouse apartment, um, you know, conducting a status meeting um, in, in, our, in our conference room. Um, one of the having coffee with Crayon, which we did every Tuesday morning. Um, so, like, you know, I was doing coffee 16 plus years ago using uh, using a virtual world, as we called it then. Um, you know, one of the things that I also really loved as a use case, and we have not seen anything remotely since, was, and I've used this example, we always had a member of our team, like, on staff. And eventually, we actually hired someone and paid them to be our receptionist. And so... When you arrived at Crayonville or in Crayonville, you we could set we could actually set this. You would kind of teleport and land in our uh, lobby, and immediately someone would welcome you and say, "You know, welcome. Is this your first time here? Would you like us to show you around? What brought you here?" Um, and it dawned on me that imagine, I mean, this is the equivalent of the Walmart greeter. This is the equivalent, and, and, and even if you just take a step back, think about the fact that every visitor to a website, there is zero way of identifying them. The only thing is to ask them if they want to accept all cookies. And we're dealing right now in a world where, you know, the, the, you know, the death of the cookie or you know or maybe the news of the cookie's demise is greatly overstated but still the best that we can do is attempt to kind of uh, i don't know follow them around so you go into an american airline site and the next thing you're on instagram and you're like you know tickets to la and you're like i was just on american looking for tickets to la and then you get an email from american saying finish you know you, you didn't finish your booking to la um, I mean that's the that's the sum that's the best we can do with a website, but now imagine that you have the ability to actually welcome every visitor um, with something that that is more than just a pop up a text pop up where you can actually see each other or representation of one another. Um, that's powerful, and that's what we did. That was a B two B use case that we haven't seen emulated in sixteen or seventeen years. 
But what a great way to be able to make sure that everyone that comes to your website, your consultancy, your agency, your boutique, that you can actually greet them in real time and answer questions, um, you know, and, and sure, we'll have bots doing that and chat and already there are, um, but this felt much more real to me and much more intimate and much more personal, especially in a high-touch uh, type of environment. Um, so remember, there are use cases, and there's still early adoption when you look at some of these things. The fact that Metaverse, in this particular case, is sitting right on the edge, right? And, and according to this, um, it represents uh, six to eight years. You know, th- that's... That's, um, you know, when it probably hits mainstream, right? Using the analogy of the party, that's when the party is in full swing. So, you know, maybe you do want to be the first person at the party. Um, just to use the, the metaphor without kind of like bastardizing it, um, if you want to actually talk to the host, maybe you do want to be the first person there. If you want to get the best parking, maybe you do want to be the first person there. Um, if you want to, you know, basically um, get out first, you know, f- maybe you do want to be the first person there. Some people are natural innovators, so I don't think I don't think the message, in my opinion, there is shelve it. Um, I think the message might be from a prioritization standpoint: understand where the action is and where the act, you know, where the puck is and where the puck is heading. Um, but based on your own, you know, I mean, based to your point, you're seeing more Web3, uh, more Metaverse use cases for your own business. Look, I, I conducted job interviews in the Metaverse, in not in the Metaverse, in the virtual world of Second Life. I would meet people in <clears throat> in Second Life and we would teleport or hang out at like some space station and uh, and we conducted a job interview there. You know, and we're able to like set privacy on so no one could kind of eavesdrop on us or we'd know if people were in the area, but we were like in the heavens. So we like found a place where no one would have even found us, even by accident. Um, and that was cool. And um, what you're mentioning is you did this 16 years ago, right? And that's amazing. And in fact, I remember Second Life, I had an account there. I didn't, I was. And where I was, what was intriguing me at that time was um, some companies were having job fairs. So I'm like, hey, how are they doing it with this? And um, yeah, you know, it was it was uh, for me more novel and and uh, you you know something that got my curiosity. I didn't really use it that much, but it 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 started that journey, right? If you were using it 16 years ago. That means from an adoption standpoint, our mindsets weren't ready to adopt the, the main, the, just like the Rogers adoption model, right? It's just, we were a little too early. Um, but that doesn't mean having second life, the company is still around, right? The dude that started it is still around. Uh, he's on, I think he's on to another project, but at the end of the day, um, you found a, a business use case. And I'm seeing those, see, I've been trying to find a business use case. How can I onboard my clients into blockchain, crypto, tokenization? And it's really, really hard right now. But it's a lot easier for me to 
say, hey, just like I do a Zoom call, Google me. Hey, come in here. This is where we're going to interview people. Or here's where I want to show you that video I'm going to play and that immersive experience I'm going to play about them skiing on that lake. Because I could probably download those videos from the tourism boards, the Chamber of Commerce, because they're taking all these aerial shots, these uh, drone shots, these beautiful shots. I mean, uh, I live in a rural area right now. And the tourism organization in this area, they've got all that beautiful footage and stuff that I can, I don't have to even go do it, but I can bring it in. So, yeah. um, And here's another thing a lot of people discount and uh, Praxum brought it up is our kids are building universes. Um, they're designing things in the metaverse. And I keep seeing my friends like, oh, how cute my, my son or my daughter made this, architected this house in the, in the metaverse. And they would, and they'll show it on their Facebook page. And I'm like, uh, uh, do you know how important that is? Do you know that one day they'll be teaching you? Do you know that this is not a joke? No, I mean, their kids are actually practicing doing stuff that is going to help the next wave in the adoption side of things. So just, just observations and look around yourself, look at your family and see what your children are doing. And and we're just sort of dismissing that, you know, that skin they're buying for their video game that, and we're like, but think what is really going on. There's transactions going on. In fact, maybe, maybe uh, Joseph, the adoption for tokens and crypto it's already happening, but it's happening with our kids as they transact and buy things in the metaverse using whatever tokens the game has. So yeah, but maybe and, that's neat. And also, for example, if if we look at if we look at DAOs, if we look at um, uh, just how about NFTs, right? Where does NFT fit in this model? It's not metaverse. Uh, we know that um, it is a token. So maybe tokenization includes fungible and non-fungible tokens. A POAP is a token. These are all tokens. So I think it's important to recognize um, that tokenization isn't necessarily coins. Um, it is, you know, as I said, it's both fungible and non-fungible. Um, and then, but how much of that is is again sitting in in Web three versus not? Um, also, we're, we're spending an inordinate amount of time talking about uh, Metaverse, which is interesting. Um, the, the other thing that, that I don't want to be lost in this conversation is maybe the reason why Virtual Worlds and Second Life did not, um, and I've discussed certain reasons in the past, did not take off, was not that it was too early and we were we weren't ready, but also because we didn't have educators and evangelists and, you know, we had lazy marketers or desperate marketers or, you know, or greedy marketers. Uh, We had lazy journalists or desperate journalists or greedy journalists. The people that were kind of steering the ship, now the equivalent of it is a lot of, you know, scammers and, um you know, and inexperienced kind of bros, if you will, right? When we think of the typical demographic of NFT Twitter, as opposed to, that's why it was really good for me to be in Miami and see the leaders 
right? Uh, I have um, I have less. I for me, I have less. Um, I don't want to say respect. I would say when I see a twenty-three-year-old white male, for example, talking about you know a collection um, that that is mooned. Um, I have less reverence for them compared to, like, for example, um, seeing, you know, a woman in her, let's say, mid-40s um, responsible for, like, and, and I, I don't know how old she is, but, you know, but uh, Shannon, who's, you know, one of the founders of, I think it's her name, Shannon, of World of Women. Um, like, I want to see someone with, but it's good to see the people that are behind these collections to understand the faces, the experience, the wisdom. What did I hear yesterday? When money meets experience, um, money gets experience and experience gets money. When money meets experience, experience gets money and money gets experience. That was a kind of cool quote. Um, and and so like also understanding who the drivers are behind. So my, my point is that Imagine where we could have been with Second Life and Virtual Worlds had we stayed the course, had we not just, you know, maybe this is the flip side, is not to just look at this Gartner chart as gospel, uh, the gospel of Gartner, um, and be able to say, you know, this is the way it should be. Um, and, and what, you know, so, like, I just think about even just the simple use case of, um, bridging distance and um, also overcoming physical challenges, hurdles, disabilities, and obstacles. Someone who is a paraplegic can walk, uh, or quadriplegic quadriplegic can can walk or fly um, or soar or be completely liberated. Um, you know, the ability to be someone to be a a, a red dragon, um, the ability to express yourself in a completely three-dimensional uh, way. Um, but what if you're also, you know, even bears as nothing as grandiose, but you're just in a rural area, um, you know, or in a in a remote area? The fact that you can bridge divides and connect with someone in New York City um, and have that proximity. There is the power of proximity. I remember very clearly uh, David Meerman Scott, who was on the show, and he did this experiment. Um, I think he also spoke about this. I think the experiment was with a lemon, um, like a virtual lemon of being able to kind of bite into it and your kind of like face, um, your face kind of like, you know, kind of tenses up because of the taste of the lemon. He actually showed that experiment with me and it worked. Um and so, like, we also have to think about that aspect. We can, you know, even going back to that incredible chart that was shared, I think, Praxim, you shared it with the kind of like the, 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 the plot of Bitcoin going around in that coil. Um, it, it can accelerate. I mean, what, what, that, what that unbelievable chart shows us is that this is the this is the path, but what it doesn't do, I think, is tell us whether you know. First of all, the magnitude: can we get to the next all-time high 
Um, it might be 2024. It might be 2025. It might be 2026. It might be 2027. It's a pretty big range, according to if you look at it, as the circle expands, the time expands, but also the magnitude. Like according to this, the next, the next um, barrier is between a hundred thousand and a million for Bitcoin. That's the next time. It's almost like a comet, you know, making its next um, orbit in many respects. So who the hell knows and where that's going to go? Um, and that's based on many, many other things. I'm, I'm pretty sure that chart doesn't, um, you know, build in Elizabeth Warren and build in Silicon Valley Bank and build in everything else that's going on in the world, including but not limited to war in Ukraine. Um, and so we have, I guess the point is we have the power we have the ability to not just sit back and read a research report and say, oh, well, I guess six to eight years, see ya. You know, because the other thing is that before we know it, six to eight years will, will be here already. What's that brilliant quote that is always used? The future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. So this is about prioritizing and placing your bets, so to speak, strategically, and deciding where you want to build and where you want to focus. Um, and of course, the beauty of it is understanding and making the use case for you or for your business or for your industry. Um, and then determining how early you want to be. And, and Joseph, you mentioned the key thing is Six to eight years isn't that long in the grand scheme of things before, you know, you blink and six to eight years will be here. So, you know, if we're thinking, hey, the metaverse is, you know, six to eight years away. Um, I mean, time flies. I mean, uh, here, here's the thing, you know, you were talking about the 23 year old and, um, you know, there could be different versions of that 23-year-old. In 1998, 99, um, I was building websites, not myself, but I was providing the staff for them because a, a friend of mine had a VC friend and was bringing projects, and he was a creative director. Um, back then, the, having a website was all the rage, you know. And um, we found... Uh, somebody in the UK that could um, make Flash work on a dial-up modem. Remember dial-up? You know, low bandwidth. You, you think, you know, 33.3 baud ray is is very, very slow, comparatively speaking. This is before DSL. And um, we, I was paying him equivalent to $150 per hour USD. And then one day, I, I you know, I'm paying him good money, right? You know, and you know, I mean, you know, of course, mark it up and, you know, make some margin on it. But I um, one day asked him to lead a project. And uh, he got really sketchy, really, well, I don't know, you know, and I said, dude, how old are you? It's not a question, you know, HR compliant, but I asked him, he said, told me I'm 16 years old. But he was well beyond his years and he was doing, he had developed a compression algorithm for Flash that nobody had. And we were doing business with him. So 
So he was light years ahead. But the, back then, if I could make something fly on a web page, oh boy, the market was consuming it and demanding it. So the future is not far away. It may be here, like you said, already. We're just trying to delay it. Or maybe we're not seeing it. So I, I, I love that. that Six to eight years, that's not that far away. No, it isn't. And and that should be the message. And and so you've got this beautiful um, continuum now, if you will, which is I feel like we're late. I feel like I'm late to a party that hasn't started already um, versus before you know it, um, you might have missed the party <laughs> or missed the boat. Um, and so timing is everything. But, and including, and yes, and also, you have the ability to influence. You can be a time traveler. You can bend time. You can accelerate. You can be a part of a movement that accelerates. That's also part of how I think about Alpha Collective in the sense which is we can we can influence, we can impact. Maybe me by myself can't or or we in the Collective Cafe this morning, but a thousand of us strong can, especially if we're leaders, influencers, innovators, disruptors, and let's not forget the all-important idea of being budget holders um, as well. And so, yes, before you know it, it's like before we know it, we'll be, uh, you know, it's going to be Thanksgiving. You'll be like, how the hell did 2023 just you know, pass us by at the blink of an eye and then 2024 and then 2025. Um, and and I'll tell you, I do have this general and genuine anxiety and I've articulated it, which is I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss the boat again. I don't want to be the person that wrote, today I have Mark on the show, you know, and he's written a book called Belonging to the Brand, Why Community Might Be the Last why community is the last great marketing strategy. Uh, and I wrote about community in t- 2004, you know, and so it's like, and and I'm sick and tired of telling people the story of how one of the chapters was called consumer-generated content and, oh, YouTube didn't exist yet. So my message now is, well, um, if you write about consumer-generated content and then you see a company doing it, hell, go invest in that company or go work for that company. Um, or or if you make a prediction, go start a company to do that so that you don't miss the boat. And so that's also this beautiful continuum that I use as well, which is you don't want to FOMO in too early, right? And you also don't want to miss the boat, dot, 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 again. And when you actually look at going back to yesterday's charts that I shared with you, what you notice, right, what you notice is that, uh, and th- this was from, um, from Yukai uh, Chow, um, that a lot of this whole NFT space has been built on these black hat core drives, scarcity, avoidance, and unpredictability. So by definition, the next, you know, the next wave will be or could be built on meaning, accomplishment, and empowerment. And in the middle of that is ownership and social influence. Um, 
and understanding that we actually can build uh, whether it is a better mousetrap or not. Um, so Tim says, for all the talk about community, brands love to talk about building community, but when you look at where they put their resources, very few of community managers that are compensated and empowered. And let's just be clear, building community, um, I wrote in Join the Conversation, marketing is not a campaign, marketing is a commitment, right? Community is a commitment. Community is the long game. Community is, you know, exists way beyond quarterly earnings or the tenure of a CMO, which is also part of the disconnect. Why maybe Second Life didn't take off? Why maybe Web3 and Metaverse sits where it sits, right? Because the structure of the organization does not support it. Uh, Bez, it's nine, so I'm going to let you have the last word. Great conversation today, everyone. And uh, and remember that the code today is BOOP. Hey, um, book, B-O-O-K-E-D. That's the, not I'm even, sorry. Not, but, not, even, not even close. Uh, look. Oh, it's no, okay. But hey, my, my last word is, I love the conversation, Joseph. This is a great one. I think there's two points I want to make. Uh, one is that everybody in this room, we're bosses. We're, we're further ahead than what we know or what we think of ourselves. We think we're all learning. And, and I know some of you are way farther ahead than me and some of us in this room, but we're all, I mean, just think about the, your circle of friends. And when you start talking about this stuff, they, they, their eyes gloss over. They don't even have a concept of what Web3, blockchain, crypto, metaverse, to, to them is like, get away from me. So we're on, we're ahead of the game. We're not going to be late to that party. We're going to be the party. So celebrate. And and then my second point is this thing about community. You're so right, Joseph. Community is a long game. Community has been a nut. Everyone's been trying to crack. But think about any community you've been in. You have to invest in the community. You have to put hard money down. You have to put elbow grease into the community in order to withdraw from the bank. And communities work when it's a give-get and everyone's benefiting. It's not, like you said, a quarterly thing that you just, you know, try to figure out how can you make the most profit. you got to look at community and any community engagement, 20, 30, 40-year window, and then you'll figure it out. I have just uh, minted my uh, POAP uh, in memory of David Gordon, BDE, which stands for Baruch Dayan Emet, the one tr- true judge, um, which is not us. It's it's uh, the big guy or girl upstairs. Um, and so, uh, Bup, we love you, and uh, I'll see you soon. Hopefully, not too soon. Um, but um, did I miss? Did I misspell it? You are now minted on the blockchain. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.